0: If you would like to support Giving Light financially, visit our Give Online page to choose the best giving method for you. Thanks again for joining us and enjoy this message. I'm so happy to be here. (laughs) Whether I'm here in person or not, I love you. I pray for you. And uh, we all have seasons in our life that are different than we ever thought we would have. But I'll tell you, our God is faithful. And this is the way we fight our battles, right? With worship and knowing his heart. And uh, so I'm just, I I just love you all so very, very much. Um, I know, is there anybody here who has never, ever heard me preach before? Dan, did you ever hear me preach before? Daniel? You don't think so? I don't think so either. Why don't you come up here a second? I wanted to see if you wanted $20. Yes, yes. yes. You want it? You can spend this, can't you? Yes. Are you sure? You want it? No. Yeah. You sure you want it? Take it. No. You know, are you afraid to receive some money from me?
1: I don't know. Hey, listen,
0: button. <laughs> Work with me. Work with me. <laughs> Do you know what? I want to give this to you. But you know what? I can't stand this stupid money. You're not worth the paper you're printed on. You'll never amount to anything. I can't stand you. You just don't hold any value to me at all. Do you still want it? Yes. No. Say yes. Uh, yeah. <laughs> you know what? He still wants it. Why? I'm afraid of you. Oh, you afraid you? <laughs> Because it holds value. Let me tell you, no matter what you've experienced, no matter what has been said about you, no matter the things you even said about yourself, the times you got thrown under the bus and were rejected and betrayed, the times where obstacles seem to be so great, and you say, God, what's wrong with me? Nothing takes away your value. Nothing. Nothing. <laughs> Guys, nothing takes away your value. One of my favorite subjects, not just in church, but in the marketplace arena. I spoke on this in governments and in businesses and in the educational system. I'm gonna to do today from a biblical perspective. But I want you to know the power of validation has the ability to heal a person's heart. The power of validation has the ability to shift a culture in a family. When a husband values his wife and a wife values her husband, it's creating a culture in that family for health and healing and wholeness. Come on, guys. Isn't that right? in the marketplace arena, in a company, in an organization. When there is mutual validation, it creates a culture. So you love to get up and go to work. There is so much power associated with developing a culture of validation. Culture is just the way we do things. It is what is acceptable or not acceptable. In my home, my grandkids learned there were certain things that were unacceptable. And one of those things is when we treat each other with disrespect. That was a going home offense. We create a culture that aligns with the heart of the Father When we choose to value all of humanity. And the only way to really understand this is to go to the beginning. Because in the beginning, we discover our very reason for being. In the beginning, we know why we were created. Because in the beginning, there was God. Period. There was God. We exist in time. He exists out of time. He always was. And God had a vision and he had a dream. And in that vision, that dream, he said, let us. Who is us? Us is the Father. It is the Son. And it is the Holy Spirit. He said, let us make man. Guys, I got a great creative idea. Let us make man in our image and our likeness. Let us make men who will look just like us, think like us, act like us, talk like us, and let's give them dominion. See, God did not create man to control man. God created us because he saw such value in the creation of humanity. And he says, I want them to be just like me. Let's create man and let them have dominion. I want you to have dominion. And I have dominion over two things. One, myself. (laughs) I can't control Donna. I can't control Scott, but I can control me, right? I have authority in my life. It's called self-control. It's called self-governance. It's called self-discipline. It's all based upon my choices. And I also govern my resources. Do you realize before God even made man, when we were in his heart, he began to create absolutely everything we would ever need. He created the oxygen so we could breathe. He created an environment for us to thrive. And he says, Listen, I'm going to give them dominion and they'll be responsible over themselves and they will also be responsible over their resources. Because they were put in the garden and they had to store the garden, right? Guess what? I cannot control your time. I only can control mine. I can't control what you think about. Only you can do that. Correct? I can't control your resources. You get to decorate your house the way you wanna decorate your house. It's your house. It's your resource, correct? And God said, let us make man to look just like us and let them have dominion. And then he said, be fruitful and multiply. Why does God want us to have dominion? Why does he want us to store ourselves and our resources so that we could be fruitful and multiply? This was his vision. And as soon as he said that in verse 26, in Genesis 1:27, what did God do? He did what he dreamed. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God created he him. Male and female created he them. Woman, female, was not an afterthought. When God created mankind, when God created humanity, he created humanity male and female. And we were created in his image, right? We were created to be just like him. You know, we spend our lives, okay, who am I? Why am I here? You know, and we're struggling to find our identity and our purpose. Just look at our Creator because we were created in His image. If this is the way my God is, this is me. And 179 times in Scripture, the Bible says, God is love. It's not just what He has. It's not just how he thinks, it's who he is. It is his makeup. Every part of God screams love. And we were made in his image, so guess what? We're love. You were created in his image to be love. Well, man, just look at the world, it do not look that way to me. It's mismanagement of ourselves and mismanagement of our resources. And I'll get to that in a minute. But our creator and his nature is woven into all humanity. This is who God is, and this is who we are. And you say, but man sinned. You know, they ate of that tree, man sinned. And then there was a curse. But you know, God never cursed man. He cursed the serpent. He never cursed man. But man was affected by a curse. Because of the decisions they made, it did not take away the value of the man or the woman. It hindered their ability to be fruitful and multiply. But it never took away their value. Oh, I'm so glad if you would have known me 40 some years ago, Lord have mercy. You would have never dreamed I'd end up being a Christian, let alone a pastor or doing anything else. I want to let you know I was a mess because things took place in my life that began to pervert how I viewed myself. I could not see value in melody. I got thrown under that bus. Just like I said with Daniel, here I was. Everything, all the obstacles, what's wrong with me? It was a perverted identity. It was a perverted reality. But I held value. And guess what? In the midst of all my stupid stuff, God saw value in me. He never stopped seeing value. And yes, man sinned, but it did not cancel their humanity. It did not cancel them being created in the image and the likeness of God. It didn't cancel their ability to store themselves. In fact, in Genesis, it says sin crouches at the door and you must rule over it. And that was before they got saved. That means you got a choice. You know, the stupid things I did, I can't blame other people. I've got to blame myself because I'm the one who made the choice. (laughs) But I never was cursed by God. I was never devalued by my creator. In fact, in Galatians 3.13, it says, Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law. He became a curse so we wouldn't have to be. we have returned to our original intent and purposes. We returned to how God created us to be before there ever was sin. That's powerful. We forget the power of redemption Jesus paid the price. He so valued us that he paid the highest price to redeem us back to God. He said, Melanie, in the midst of all your stupid years, guess what? I already saw you positioned to be redeemed. When we look at people, we got to value them as God values them, recognizing that there is a redeemer who paid a price. We've been bought with a price, guys. I don't care who they are. You say, oh man, if you saw what my kids were doing right now, (gasps) we've got to look at them through the eyes of redemption. Do you ever see people taking scriptures? This really bothers me. Somebody takes a scripture and they use it against somebody. Where's redemption in that one? I take a biblical principle to attack you or condemn you or to judge you. Where's redemption in that? God, so loved the world. While we were sinners, while we were enemies, he loved us so much that he sent Jesus. Come on guys. And we're created in his image. So maybe it makes sense that no matter what anybody is doing, no matter what anyone is saying, no matter how big the great divides are in our world, guess what? Every human being holds value. Why don't you look at that politician, you disagree with them and look at him through the eyes of redemption. Oh, ho oh, oh. well, you're not standing up for truth. No, that is ultimate truth. That's ultimate truth. My God did not say, well, Melanie, man, she's an alcoholic. She smokes four packs of cigarettes a day. She's a man-hating women's liver. She steps on others before they can step on her. Oh, man you happen to be a man, man of, I mean, I was like angry, but guess what? God didn't see that. He chose to value me and move in my life and love me and invest into me and prepare a way for me because he saw me on the other side of redemption because he's the one who created me. Come on guys. We make mountains out of molehills. If we want to see our world impacted for Jesus, then we've got to act like he acts. We've got to value people like he values people no matter what they're doing. God did not put us on the earth to control another human being or try to convince them how they have to get saved or they're going to go to hell. Man, let's just be a living epistle read of all men. And when we're that living epistle read of all men, they're going to say, man, you're different. I'm totally off subject. Help me, Jesus. What is sin? Sin is functioning opposite of love. Every stupid thing I've ever done was because I was functioning opposite of love. I was functioning in fear. I was looking out for number one. And if I don't protect myself, you're going to hurt me, so i got to put the wall around myself, right? And out of living in fear, I would do stupid things. But I'll tell you, when we love deeply, we don't need the Ten Commandments, Because his word, his nature is written on the tablets of our heart. How can you love someone and steal from them? I'm not going to be jealous of anyone if I love them. Come on. The power of love is what builds the bridges. And love is not ooey-gooey, mushy-gushy. Love is a powerful choice to simply do what's right. God is looking for his church to arise with the courage to say, I'm going to do what is right, no matter if everyone else does what's wrong. I'm going to walk in truth, even if others are walking in lies, because I don't have to convince them of their lies. I just model truth. The bar is high. Say, how can you do that? Practice. And every time we mess up, guess what? We get up again and we go for it again. I remember Stephen would throw scriptures at me. Wives, submit yourself to your husbands. And I, angry woman's liver, alpha woman, said, husbands, love your wife. You know what? There was absolutely no validation in that communication. So what atmosphere did that set in our home? Because if I didn't do what he wanted me to do, he would just talk to the hand. And some in those early years, it might be two weeks before he talked to me. He was cordial. And I'd say, I don't need a man anyway. And I'd go and I'd just be independent and I'd do my thing. And who cares? If he's got a problem, he's got a problem. I'm going to do what I'm going to do. Come on, what kind of culture were we developing? How desperately we needed the nature and the character of Christ to be woven into our neural networking. We will never violate the Ten Commandments if we walk in love and validation. See, the Father, God becomes our Father when we receive the work of Jesus, correct? When we believe and we receive, he becomes our Father. If a person has not received Jesus, God is not their Father, but he is still their creator. So every person, saved or unsaved, has been created in the image and the likeness of God. That's why we have to look at them through the lens of redemption. Because I'm not focused on where they're at. I'm dreaming of what they can be. Because I know the Father, I know that's woven in you. So I'm not going to make a big deal out of little things. God is the creator of every human being. And what's so amazing is science has discovered this to be true. It is so biblically sound. And now science is discovering how the brain and the body are wired. Think about this. God is love And God made man in his image. What does that do? It equals our brains and our bodies are wired to give and receive love. And science has discovered that our brains and our body have been wired to receive love. Science proves that our physical heart, brain, and body function better when affirmed and valued. Now, I don't know about you. You might have seen me do that illustration before. But when you hear that no matter what you experienced, no matter what mistakes you made, not even the horrible things you said about ourselves, because guess what? We're often our own worst enemy, aren't we? When you hear that nothing takes away your value, something happens on the inside of you. When you don't have it all together and you're loved anyway and valued anyway, Something happens on the inside of us that aligns us with the very nature and the character of the Father's heart. It was about two and a half years ago. Um, I didn't have a dad. I don't remember my dad. So it's always been very hard for me to connect to Father. But I could connect to Jesus, and I definitely was extremely aware of the Holy Spirit But about two and a half years ago, I began to experience the Father's heart in such intensity that I found myself just weeping and and just crying out because I felt his heart breaking for humanity. It's when I wrote my book on prejudice. It's when I launched my Stopped Evaluation Movement. I thought I've gotta be a light in a dark world. Because I can feel my father's heart breaking. Not angry. No, you're going to go to hell. No, nothing like that. His heart was broken. Why? Because God created every human being in his image. And he desires that all would come unto repentance. Why? So he can control you? No. So you can see you look just Like your daddy. On the head of a pin, on the tip, tip, tip of a pin or a needle, you can put 10 human cells. And every human cell holds 3 million DNA strands so on the head of a pin there are 30 million dna strands come on isn't that right you just even take one of your hairs you'll find your dna this isn't just neuroscience but it's a science called axiogenics axiogenics is the mind brain science of value generation. And an expert in axiogenics, Peter Demarest, said, there is mounting evidence that certain moral values may be embedded in our DNA. Oh, my goodness. Science is discovering that woven in your DNA is moral values you know back before i got saved and i was what i was and i acted in the way i acted i did all those things i knew it was wrong i wasn't ignorant of that i would get drunk to give myself an excuse to do what i wanted to do that was really mean i knew exactly what i was doing and i knew it was wrong Why? Because certain moral values are woven in our DNA. It's not just what mommy taught me. It's not just what daddy taught me. It's not just because I've shown up to church. No, woven into your humanity are moral values and science is discovering that. Our mind has to become seared. I have to be driven by fear. Let's look at the human brain very quickly. The mind-brain is value driven and it deals with what it means to be human. You know, axiogenics, the science of value generation, that is only found in human beings. It's not found in dogs, cats, tigers, elephants. No other brain carries this hierarchy of value found only in humanity. See, God created everything and he said, let's make man and they're going to look just like me. Guys, the human brain is amazingly adaptable and pre-wired for incalculable goodness. We are pre-wired for incalculable goodness. You know, isn't it true? Every time you do the right thing, it feels so good. Isn't that right? Every time you show kindness, every time you release generosity, my goodness, what happens on the inside of you is you feel so good. Why? Is because you were created in the image of God, and those things make you alive. You're touching your true identity. Our physical brain is relational. The brain is a very highly social organ. And basically, this is saying that when we're not focused on a specific task, while we're at rest, our mind is thinking about ourselves or others. We're thinking relationally. Above all else, our relationships with other people have the greatest value and are the greatest source of potential value generation. I'm talking about developing a culture of validation wherever we go. I've seen high-level organizations embrace this. And people would quit better paying jobs to come and work in that division of that organization. Why? Because they were genuinely and authentically valued. I'd rather make less money and work here than make all this money and be treated like I'm no good. Just be used as a commodity. It's the power of validation. Honestly, validation is a simple solution for difficult problems. Oh, well, how in the world is this world ever going to heal? How is our nation going to heal? We need as many people as possible to start valuing themselves and valuing others, period. Because you will never gossip. Why do we have a code of conduct that says we are a gossip-free zone? Because gossip is devaluing a person come on have you ever heard someone speak about somebody else in a negative light that there was any validation to that whatsoever no did you hear did you know did you see what they did that was just horrible When there's a culture of validation, we can confront those things in a way that empowers a person, doesn't devalue them more. Because the reason we did those stupid things is because there was fear and there was shame. Man, I want to be light in a dark world. If you knew the relationships I had, the friendships I'm building, some of you might be critical of me. But do I care? No, because I'm gonna have the courage to be a light in a dark world. The only way I'm gonna leave darkness is if they kick me out. I'm not vocal about a lot of things and everyone has to do what they believe God's calling them to do. I'm not judging anybody, because then that's devaluation, right? But I don't address all these things publicly. I'm constantly speaking to the power you hold to do good. Because if I start devaluing and dehumanizing someone because they think different than me, they have a different opinion than me, they have a different political ideology than me, all it's going to do is create bigger divides. But when we genuinely value someone and they ask you a question on your opinion, you can answer it honestly and they will receive. I know it's happened to me over and over. I've led more people to the Lord personally through my consulting company and my marketplace expressions than I have as a pastor in over 40 years how does that happen? Number one, it's usually Christians that show up to church, right? (laughs) So I'm going out in the world. And number two, I don't go out. Somebody asked me just last week, they said, well, Melody, when do you present them with an opportunity to get saved? I said, I don't. My objective is not to get them saved. I have no power over another human being. My object, objective is to value them and love them and be a living epistle read of all men so their hearts are open and softened and then they'll come and talk to me. Didn't they say in the Bible, what do I got to do to be saved? They started seeing it. They saw. Remember on, after the day of Pentecost, Peter preaches, what, 5,000 get saved. Man, they just saw something they couldn't figure out. And I'll tell you, if the Spirit of God has been poured out in such intensity, believe me, it is saturated in love and validation because Jesus only reflects the Father's heart. The Holy Spirit only reflects the Father's heart. And what is he? He is love, love. And remember, it's not ooey-gooey, mushy-gushy. It's doing the right thing. So there's a three-fold progression that I want to get to really quickly because everyone, you can apply it to your family. You can apply it where you go to work. Wherever you're at, whatever you do, you could take these three steps and you'll begin to see the atmosphere change, especially when people start liking it and they start joining in with you. And this is neurologically. It's called the hierarchy of value. The first and most most important thing is the ability to see and celebrate who I am, my identity, what I'm gifted to do, my purpose, and the value I hold to make a positive impact in my world. You know, the Bible says, love your neighbor as you love yourself. What if you don't like yourself? It's very hard to love your neighbor. In fact, we'll find somebody to put down so we feel better about ourselves. Say, Melody, you've hardly been to church, and you come and you say something like that. <laughs> We've got to see our value, nothing can take away our value. We must see we've been created in the image of love. We must see ourselves through the same eyes of redemption that the Father saw when he sent Jesus to pay the price for us. Where we're at is not where we're going to be. But woven into every DNA strand in my body is the Father's heartbeat. And when I'm able to value myself I'll then have the ability to generate value in others. How can I love you? Because I know how much God loves me. And I know the mess that I was. I know the stupid, anybody else do stupid things? Am I the only one in here who did something stupid? Thank you very much for honesty, okay? I know where I was. Remember the pit from which we've been dug. Come on, guys. Who is forgiven much, loveth much. So when you look at someone and it looks like everything's all messed up, oh, when they receive the forgiveness for that, they're going to love so deeply, so passionately, so fully, because they've discovered how loved they are. And now they want to tell others how loved they are. So God has given us the ability to generate that value. That means there is a conscious, deliberate, intentional choice we must make to generate value. So when I see Andy, I can make a conscious choice to value you. In fact, your hugs I have missed so much. So I would really like one right now. Because, come on, get on, get on camera. Here he comes. Down. Just the way he hugs, you know, in his eyes, you hold value. Do not minimize. What seems like a very small, simple thing, because it has the power to heal the heart. Thank you. That's generating value. Then when we can value ourselves and we value others, then there is the ability to bring positive change to systems and cultures. This is when our family is like set apart, and people will say, How do you do this in your marriage? You know, when I walk in your house, I feel peace. With my mom needing all the care that she needs. And she says something, you know, negative as in, I don't know how long you can do this for me. I go, this is a home of peace. This is a home of peace. And we are going to celebrate today. I don't know what tomorrow holds, but we're going to celebrate today. See, there's a culture that is or is not acceptable in our home. And if I'm having a bad day, Stephen corrects me. If he's having one, I correct him. Not in condemnation, but a reminder of this is the culture of the Hilton home. You want to know the culture of giving light? We are a gossip-free zone and we are a prejudice-free zone. We're going to love you so we can be a safe place. Are we perfect in that? No. That's what makes... Having a culture of validation so powerful is because even if I or someone else fails, we have an opportunity to work through to understanding. You remember that from ITC. We've been doing this for a long time, working through to understanding. Because you hold so much value, we can work it out. And if I was pastor, I'd be singing a song right there. We can work it out. That happens when you value something because when you value, what happens? I got to quit. When you value, you must, you protect. If I value something, I'll protect it. I'll invest into it. You love that little guy, don't you? You value him, right? So you will protect him. You invest into him. You'll sacrifice for him. Remember all the nights you had to get up all night long? The diapers, the poop, the spit up. Come on, isn't that right? You sacrifice. And you treat as valuable. Because every time we are treated as though we are valuable, it's telling our mind-brain. that we are love. In the next slide I won't speak it cuz I'm supposed to quit in 3 minutes. But this is actually the science, this hierarchy of value. The first and most important, you see that high that the tallest one, that's the most important, that must be first. It can't be in second place or third place, it must be first. And that's intrinsic value and that's valuing people. It's valuing yourself and others, that must be the first. Then secondly is extrinsic value, which is a lesser value but so important, and that's what I bring to the table. If the only reason I love Donna is for what she does, then I'm really not loving and valuing her at all. I must value her, period. And then I value what she brings to the table. And then thirdly, I even value the system that empowers us to value what people bring to the table so ultimately they will be able to see the fullness of their value. So it's people first. Productivity second. If the only reason my husband loved me was because I cleaned the house and I took care of the kids and I did this and I did that, that that would have made me, in fact, the moments when I felt that that's the only reason I was really good to him for what I was doing, I am woman, hear me roar, right? Because guess what? The most important thing is to just flat be valued. And when I know I'm valued, I'll give. I'll pour myself out when I know I'm valued. And I'll celebrate every structure that's in place to make sure that happens. That's the hierarchy of value. In the next slide, these have to be in that order. Because if they get out of order, or they are overvalued or undervalued, if they're not in order, it causes emotional suffering. It stirs fear. So if I can't see my value or the value of another human being, I will not be able to connect in heart. I won't trust anybody. I give you a compliment, Rebecca. You just look so nice. Why is she saying that? What does she want? Because I couldn't see my value, and why would she value me? That has to be the priority. Secondly, if I don't value what you bring to the table, you'll pull away, you'll get minimal investment, you'll either quit or they'll fire you. And then productivity is hindered. Do you know what, you guys work for the fire company, you don't really work because you're volunteers in our area, you don't, it's not paid firemen, right? So you so value what you're doing. You so value the lives of people. You so value those that you're working with that you're willing to bring your best to the table. And when the alarm goes off, what you carry is released because you hold value. And the systems and the structures are in place to empower that to happen. And anything that comes in to that firehouse that would be devaluing, dehumanizing, degrading, shaming, critical, judgmental gossip has the ability to destroy the culture of validation. But if everyone rises with a heart to say, I'm going to value what I carry, and I'm going to value what you carry, it's going to create such a culture of validation. Some people are critical about systems and structures and rules and laws, like law is evil. I'm glad we got <laughs> red lights. <laughs> That's a law. that You go, don't go through that red, you go through the green. All those things bring order because we want to value people's lives, right? So there's systems set in place. And if we lose the system then there's no healthy place to release what you carry. Whenever we overvalue, undervalue, get these things out of order, you know what happens? We begin to function in fear. And what's the Bible say? I love this scripture in 1 John 4, 18. What gets rid of fear? Faith? Perfect love. Perfect love. The Father's heart casts out all Fear. Valuing one another gets rid of fear. I'm not around a perfect person, and I am not a perfect person. But when there is mature love, there is no fear. And there is safety, and there is security. That if I fall down, you won't just judge me, you'll help me get back up. And I'm going to close in this slide. I love this slide. Science reveals that our DNA and human brains are imprinted with a hierarchy of value. The more we challenge our values to align with the signature of value, in fact, what the science says is like a signature is written on a painting. There is a signature written on the brain of value. Do you know what that signature is? It's a signature of the divine. In every DNA strand, there's a signature of the divine. And whenever we align our actions with that signature, the happier and the healthier we will be. And I love this picture because it's a picture of a mama kissing her child. And you see those red marks in the brain? Actually, every thought, every feeling, every emotion, every attitude, literally is like fireworks in the brain. And so when that mama is loving that child, it's releasing healthy neural firing in her neural memory, establishing health in her She's kissing her baby. She's loving on her baby. And in her brain, it's healing her. Come on. But you know, that child has no idea what's going on. But when that child is being kissed, guess what's happening in that child's brain? I'm being loved. I'm being valued. You look at your children as they get older and you go to hug them. It's like, oh, you don't have to do all that. (laughs) But all those years of love and hugs and kisses and validation is woven into their neural networking. And when things get really bad, they know where to run to, because they know that mom and dad love them in spite of themselves. And mom and dad are always there, no matter what I do. You think, no, I need to give them the let foot of fellowship or something. No, the fact is, there can be consequences to their actions, and that's always wisdom. That's what training is. There could be consequences, but there's never a loss of validation. There's never a loss of love. What you just did is inappropriate. I remember one time, I can't remember what Layla did, but she was over at our house, and she did something that is incongruent to the culture of our home. And I said, Layla, I am so sad. I love when you're here. I don't want you to leave. But when this takes place, it cannot take place in my home. We have to take you home now. And I said, but I'm so sad. And she goes, goes, it's okay, ma'am. It's okay. It's okay. I'll come back again. (laughs) Here I was correcting her and valuing her at the exact same time. I let her know this was unacceptable in our house. But I love you. And I want you here. Guys, we have an opportunity to not just experience the Father's beating heart, but we have an opportunity in our world, if we want to see it healed, just start loving people no matter what they say, no matter what they do. Don't speak evil of them just picture them redeemed. You have to draw healthy boundaries and I won't go into all kinds of dynamics, but it all begins in us. How will I view that person? Hate is one of the most destructive forces. Validation is one of the greatest healing experiences a person could ever have. So, Father, right now in the name of Jesus, I just pray for each one. We're getting a snowstorm, so we need to send them home. So, Father, right now in the name of Jesus, could you all just stand? Father, right now in Jesus' name, we just speak to everything that has taken place in their lives the times where they felt devalued, the times where they felt shamed, maybe even the times where there was abuse of power or abuse of authority, where there could have been molestation, where there could have been physical abuse, where there could have been words that were so sharp and so cruel and so angry and so hateful thrown at them. Right now in the name of Jesus, we just speak to every one of those things and we break the power of the lies associated to them in the name of Jesus. And we declare that the heart of the father, his beating heart is just beating within their heart, beating within their soul. And Lord, I just thank you that we're going to have encounters with the father's heart, that there is an awakening taking place that's causing a light to shine in us and through us unlike anything we have ever experienced. That awakening to where we as the church turn from our wicked ways and we will pray and you will hear from heaven and you will heal our land. But Lord, let it begin in me. Right now I choose to stop looking at what everyone else is doing and I choose to take my life and submit it to the power of value.